Mac Power Users, Episode 94, iPad Productivity. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with David Sparks. Hey, David. Hey, Katie. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You know, we are ticking down the shows. This is show 94. Uh, show 100 is getting closer and closer and closer. Did you ever think we'd make it this far? Well, when we started the show, you you insisted that it be a three-digit number for each show. I did. Zero, zero, one. And I thought you were very <laughs> optimistic that, you know, because I figured... <laughs> My mom could only listen to so many episodes of this, and <laughs> then we wouldn't have any audience left. And But here we go. I think we're going to make it. Yeah. So since we've only got a couple of shows left before show 100, we wanted to go ahead and announce what we were doing for show 100 because we're going to need some, some listener support and some feedback from that. So show 100 is going to be a special Mac Power Users workflow show, and it's going to be workflows of Mac Power Users, and that is you, the listeners. You've heard all sorts of interesting and entertaining people talk about their workflows on the show, and we want to hear what our listeners have done. Send us an email, feedback at MacPowerUsers.com with show 100 in the subject line. That's so I can do one of those, you know, fancy mail filters that we're going to talk about later in the show. And tell us, here's the kicker, one aspect of your workflow that you would like to see highlighted on Mac Power users. And you get bonus points if you tell us how Mac Power users has helped you create, develop, or refine this workflow. And we're going to pick a handful of people and conduct interviews over Skype one weekend, probably within the next month or so. And they'll probably be five to 10 minutes max because we want to try to, to highlight a bunch of people. So... Uh, we're looking for unique workflows, you know, not something that we've covered a gazillion times before, and p- perhaps also apps that maybe we haven't extensively covered on the show. And I know that they're out there because I get emails from people all the time saying, you know, why haven't you all done a show on, say, DevOnThink, or why haven't you talked about Yojimbo, or why haven't you talked about this or that? And the simple answer is those aren't, sh- you know, things that either David or I or our guests have used in their workflows extensively. So this is your opportunity. If you think that there's an app out there that we haven't covered well, and it is just so necessary to your workflow, and you figured out how to use it in a very productive way that you think the world just needs to know about, email us. Try to keep your emails fairly compact, but get your story across. Remember, we can't read novels. And let us know about it, and we'll pick a handful of people to feature. Did I explain it okay? I think you did great. All right. It's going to be fun, so so write us in, let us know. Yeah. Share some cool, fiddly bit of awesomeness with the rest of the world. Yeah, uh, feedback at MacPowerUsers.com with show 100 in the subject line. And uh, we'll, we'll pick those over the next couple of weeks, so get them in pretty quick. And uh, we'll conduct interviews in the next month or so. And just keep in mind, it will probably be a weekend, midday, uh, midday Eastern time, probably earlier in the day, uh, Pacific time on Skype. Cause that's, that's when we do these things. So. All right. So what are we talking about today? iPad productivity. Oh, somebody I know wrote a book about that. Yeah. So I wrote iPad at work. It came out, I want to say at the very beginning of this year, I yeah. think it came out in January, like right after the new year. And 
that was a pretty good book. It's like 350 pages. It's a pretty good um, background of my workflows as of that time. Or at least the time I submitted the book, probably like in November. Uh, but, you know, the iPad is, is a moving target. And uh, I wanted to do an episode where we kind of went back and looked at some of those subjects and, and just talked about where we're at now. In a way, this show is, is David and Katie's workflows, iPad workflow show. You know, because everybody's saying, well, how come you don't do your own workflow shows? Because that's what we talk about all the time. And I figure people are really tired of hearing about me. But, and, and Katie. They're uh, not tired to hear about me. Well, me at least. Uh, so, okay. but in essence, this is kind of that. So we're going to just talk about the iPad and the stuff that we use to get work done. And I thought it would be fun to, uh, to just take a look at some of the subjects. I don't want this show to be just a list of apps. I'd rather just kind of go in and dig deep on a few subjects that are near and dear to us. In terms of getting work done on the iPad, you know, even before we start, have you noticed these these articles making the rounds again about how the iPad is a consumption device? There seems to be a lot more debate about that now. People are saying, "Oh, the iPad is a consumption device," and what I think is real interesting is you're seeing articles comparing it to the yet unreleased, likely never touched Microsoft service, and that's a creation device. Well, it's weird. Um, I think that it is very narrow minded to think that because one device has a keyboard attached or integrated to its case that it's it's made for content creation and one does not it's made for content consumption and um it's really a straw man argument i guess we shouldn't spend much time on it because i think most of the stuff is just link baiting trying to get people to click on websites to get people angry but if you've ever created a song or done a movie or worked with iphoto on your ipad or like me, if you've written a book on your iPad, you know that that's just not true. So, Well, even you don't have to get that advanced. If you've written a blog post, if you've composed email, if you've written a letter, if you've written a report, if you've taken the iPad on your trip instead of your computer, if you've gotten work done on your iPad and you've, got, you've, extent, you've been productive on your iPad, it, it's a creation device. Yeah, well, for me, it certainly is. And uh, whether or not they put a keyboard into the cover doesn't matter. In fact, there are covers that have keyboards in, as we will talk about. Uh, and really, today, this show, I'm going to talk about what I do as a lawyer and how I use my iPad to get things done, and Katie as well. Yep. I thought we'd start with just the state of file sync, uh, because that is something that is always in motion. And It's a little bit in flux right now, in particular. Yeah, well, we've talked about file sync in a lot of different shows over the years. Uh, I think we even did a show on file sync way back at the beginning. This is probably due for a refresh. Right. But, you know, the, the two, just the, the short story is really, I think there's two platforms now worth notice on the iPad. The first is Dropbox, which is the one that was there first on the Apple device. <laughs> and, uh, and what Dropbox did is, you know, it, it is, as we've explained before, a file syncing service that uses a more traditional paradigm of a folder that just happens mm-hmm. to be everywhere. So, you don't have to think about it much. You put a, a, a file in your folder on your Mac or your, and it just shows up on your PC. And if there's a Dropbox app for the iPad, and it shows up there as well, um, that's really nice. But they improved upon it by creating this really nice developer API. And using that, uh, developers can build Dropbox synchronization right into their apps, like my beloved iThoughts HD saves the Dropbox. And so I can make an iThoughts HD mind map, save it to Dropbox right there as OPML, for instance, and then open up Omni Outliner on my Mac and just pick up where I left off. 
And that all happens because of the Dropbox sync. And you can even take it a step further if you want and just do something similar to what I've done. And by having basically my documents folder living in Dropbox, and I know, David, you haven't actually made your documents folder live in your Dropbox, but your your Dropbox has probably effectively become your documents folder. In a lot of ways. I think I have about 15 gigabytes in my Dropbox folder right now. And right. today they just announced, as we record this, that a paid account just got doubled. Right, that's so I, very cool. I pay 100 bucks a year. It's worth it to me. And, and now you get 100 megs, right? Or 100 gigs, right? Yeah, I had 50, now I have 100. And so that really opened some opportunities for me. I'm, I'm starting to think, well, what can I put in there with all that extra space? Maybe I do start putting some more stuff up. But either way, so Dropbox is there, and I think it is a no-brainer. If you want to get work done on your iPad, get yourself a Dropbox account. Now, the free ones are 2 gig. I haven't heard whether those are increasing, although I suspect probably not. Um, right. They're just giving you enough, you know... <laughs> But, a taste, but for a lot of people, two first gig- bite's free. You know, it's a lot of people, two gigs is enough. Like Katie's parents, you were telling me that all their yeah. files fit in a Dropbox two gig file, and uh, friends that I have as well get by just fine with a two gig Dropbox file. Um, but you really need to incorporate that if you have it into your life. Um, I think that is uh, probably one of the best things you can do to make your iPad more productive. Just picture that you're writing a document and. You can look at it on your Mac and your iPad and your PC at work and everything just using this one account that doesn't cost you anything for the for the low amount of space. Now, the other piece of that is iCloud. And once again, we've discussed iCloud at some length. This is Apple's take on cloud storage, and it really is. It's like Apple, anything else Apple does. They say, okay, this is how everybody else has been doing it. They're wrong, and we're doing it right, and this is different. And... By the way, all the bells and whistles and switches we've removed from the machine. Just take this machine. It's very pretty. Right. And so the idea behind iCloud is that you will have apps that are iCloud aware. And so it's not so much the paradigm as a folder as it is app-based file management. So as an example, Byword. They're a former sponsor of ours, which I love. And uh, Byword has iCloud aware um, apps. So the Byword on the Mac and Byword on the iPhone and Byword on the iPad all are always looking at iCloud if you turn it on for the document store. So when I work on my little text billing file in a meeting on my iPhone, I can put a billing entry in there. And when I go over to my Mac and open the same file or just go to Byword on my Mac, it's already updated with that information. And when I go to my iPad, it's there as well. Yeah. There are a couple of things about iCloud that are perhaps a little less comfortable for those of us who have been using file systems for so long, but the reverse is also true. I think it's much more comfortable for people who maybe this is their their first experience with the Mac or with the Apple ecosystem. Obviously, there's no file and folder structure. Your stuff is just there. It's up in iCloud. And for me, I've been finding that I will have certain apps that I will sync exclusively with iCloud. And ByWord is an example of one of those apps for me. I think the iWork applications could be 
one of those apps for me if they would ever get their act together and refresh the Mac version of, of iWork. Now, there's some limitations to the cloud sync on the Mac aspect of it. Obviously, iOS devices certainly can have access to this API, but if you're syncing with a compatible Mac dev- uh, Mac application, the only applications that have access to the iCloud sync are those that are in the Mac App Store. So that's already going to put a limitation as to what applications on your Mac can access this iCloud store based on, number one, whether the app meets the sandboxing restrictions to begin with to even be eligible to go into the App Store, or number two, whether the developer has decided to make their application uh, available in the App Store. And then, of course, you can use iCloud just for syncing preferences and settings. And that kind of happens behind the scenes where the user never really has to have any interaction or know that it's going on. It's just there and it's happening. And I, I, I'm seeing more and more of my apps doing that now. A, a good example would be TweetBot, for example. Yes. So stepping back, iCloud is, is really, it's almost idiot proof once you set it up. And there's really not much to do set it up to say, yes, I want to use iCloud. And there's a lot of people in the world for whom this is going to feel like magic. Yeah. Just like the way I felt the first time I used Dropbox. But for us nerds, us Mac Power user nerds, we are never going to give up our Dropbox account. People ask me that. Well, now that iCloud's out, are you going to dump Dropbox? Heck no. No. You know, um, I'm going to use them both, and it's going to be great. Uh, but the limitation is not only just app-specific, it's really platform-specific. Dropbox stuff can be shared to Android, to Microsoft Windows, to... Ubuntu or whatever else you want to put information on, iCloud just works on on the Apple stuff. So there's limitations to it, but for a lot of people, like if there's someone in your life who wants to sync a text file and you know that they aren't really that savvy with computers, hooking them up to iCloud is going to make a lot more sense than Dropbox. But you lose some of the, you know, the ability to customize and do things that, you know, we do otherwise with Dropbox. So so I'd say overall the state of the cloud sync is um, is really good. The Dropbox is a is a big solution for a lot of people, and I think I, I iCloud has not fallen on its face the way a lot of people thought it would. I mean, it's not perfect, but it does some pretty remarkable stuff too. Right. I don't know if I'm being an Apple apologist about it, but it just seems to me like cloud sync is really hard. And I think that they're throwing a lot of manpower at it. I just, you know, it's going to get there. But it's a different model. And this really leads into our next subject of writing, which I think we should start off with uh, the state of word processing. Because writing on the iPad, to me, is really about text editors. And while there are word processors out there, none of them have really become an essential part of my workflows. I don't know. How about you? Not really. No. Uh, by word is is probably my main editor, and I would consider that a text editor, yeah, not absolutely. a word processor. A text editor. Yeah. yeah, so let's let's talk about that in a minute. But first, let's just talk sure. about word processing. So word processing is that traditional paradigm where you have a document like Microsoft Word is the you know the the angelic version of this, depending on who you ask. <laughs> Maybe not angelic. Anyway, so. Microsoft Word, though, is the version everybody has. That's their word processor. And, you know, it's a thing where you can make footnotes and do all kinds of fancy formatting. And as our guest last week, Fraser, said, really, it's engineered around a piece of paper, that whatever you're doing here is ultimately going to be on a piece of paper. And so the iPad comes out, and what's the very first thing that Steve and the Apple gang do at the announcement of the iPad? Immediately, they want to show you the iWork apps, you know, 
because this whole content creation versus consumption thing, I believe, was very much at the front of their minds. So they, you know, they put the company into this mode, and they they released a word processor called Pages with the iPad, which is all well and great, but it also returned us to SneakerNet for sharing documents because this was before you know Dropbox had really planted its flag, and Apple really well, didn't have an answer. Yeah, and there's there's no Dropbox support within Pages. Well, of course not, because that's an Apple product, right? So right. they're not going right. to do it. So, but even before Dropbox support existed for anything, Apple really didn't have a solution short of essentially emailing yourself the file or plugging your iPad into your computer and dragging files, and it was just a big pain. And by SneakerNet, I'm talking about the old days where we had the floppy disks and we'd run around the office and you would have multiple copies of the same document with different version numbers, and you never knew who had the lightest version and what changes were incorporated. It was a mess. And that's what we had with iWork on the iPad when it shipped. And to a large extent, that's still what we have in iWork on the iPad because Apple has not got it um, syncing to the Mac yet. With the, you know, Because they want to put iWork into the iCloud world. And they've been showing this off for a while. And we actually saw it a few months ago at WWDC, at the public um, the public event of WWDC, where they're showing off the new features of Lion and Mountain Lion, that is. They're showing syncing with pages directly to the iPad. And we still don't have it. In fact, on the new Retina MacBook, the the iWork, the iWork uh, applications look terrible. Mm-hmm. Because they're all pixelated, you know, they haven't even fixed them for the retina screen. So you have to believe that with the upcoming release of Mountain Lion, that we're going to get a new version of the iWork suite, which includes iCloud integration, which is what really brings us back to the subject at hand of word processing on the iPad. I think when that happens, I'll be taking a good look at iWork. Because some of the stuff I can do in iWork makes it really easy for me to move stuff into iBooks Author, you know, my platform of choice for these books I'm writing. So I'm interested in it, but so long as I have to, you know, do the email tango, I'm not going to be using Pages much on my iPad. Yeah, there was a uh, there was a little bit of a hack around that where you could get Dropbox support. Was it with DropDav, which used to be free for limited use, and now I think is it five bucks a month? Yeah, DropDAV is one way. So it's a WebDAV client in essence. Uh, you also can use you can you can move that local store to Dropbox. I mean, there, there are some ways. There's some, some hacky ways yeah, to do it. Exactly, yeah. but you know, I don't want to go there. It's just too much work. And if something goes wrong and I lose a bunch of those files, I'm going to be really angry. So I haven't done that stuff. I, I mean, I, I played with it, but in the end. A text is so damn easy, and, and frankly, when the when the day comes and all this works, I'm still not sure I'll be using it because ByWord is just so easy to write text on. Um, so we'll see. But so that's where we are with iWork. But there's more to word processing, and I guess this is the Office Suite discussion, not just writing. Um, right. Um, one of the things I, I complained about in iPad at work is the the inability to track changes with Word documents which is the holy grail for lawyers because we get all these contracts and we want to see what they change because nobody trusts each other and we have to see every period and comma added. And there was no way to see that on the iPad. So that was a big problem. Well, Office Squared now tracks changes. And it works pretty well. I saw that. 
Yeah, I saw that update at, at Macworld. I was very excited about that. I think they, they were demoing it at Macworld, and it came out shortly thereafter. I've used Office Squared a while on the iPhone, and I kind of forgot about it because it didn't have the track changes support. And then when they mentioned it at Macworld, I made a mental note to go get it for the iPad and for whatever reason didn't. So I have just downloaded it now that you've mentioned it. Because this is a need for me, and this is a need for a lot of the attorneys that work in my office, because this is what allows us to work remotely. Now, you can open a Word document in Pages, but it's it's kind of this tango of, okay, you get the Word document in email, you've got to open it in Pages, you've got to make your changes, you've got to convert it back into a doc, you've got to then email it out. You can do it, but try explaining that process to someone who's just gotten their first iPad and is not the most tech-savvy person in the world. That's a lot to do, and that's a lot to take in when all they want to do is be able to have their secretary email them a document, make some changes, and email it back to them. So I think one of these more dedicated, quote, office solution applications makes sense. The one that I had been using was Docs2Go, but I really liked Office Squared on my iPhone, so I, I can't wait to check it out on my iPad. Yeah, and the the problem is those suites are getting bought up. Now, Documents2Go, I believe, is owned by RIM now. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was Dataviz. Is Dataviz owned by RIM? I don't know. And and then also I believe Google just bought one of them as well. So that yeah. makes you wonder about future support. I think really getting the iCloud support into pages may be a big deal. Except for lawyers who insist on Word and still need to track changes. <laughs> you know, I and tell people lawyers, who work in PC-based offices. Or they say, you know, uh, can you track changes? I just say, no, you can't. You know, be Play with Office Squared. If that's good enough, then you're okay. But otherwise, it's just not going to happen. Now, there's a lot of talk about Microsoft Office coming to the iPad, and it seems all but a foregone conclusion that they're going to. It's just really a, a question of when. You know, Wait this, a second. The, how, how do you get that? I, I, I think they should do it, but whether or not they will do it, I think is, is, a, is really a crapshoot. Well, haven't there been some spy shots that have shown you know, this is Microsoft Office running on iPad. Do you think those are all mocked up? or? Well, I just think that until you see, until they announce it at least, I don't think it, I mean, I'm sure that there are people playing with it. There's a Mac business unit at Microsoft right. that I'm sure would love to release it. I mean, Microsoft is a software company. This is a rant of mine that I, I've okay. given repeatedly. I don't think I've done it on the show, though. I did write about it. Is that Microsoft is a software company, and there's a platform out there with millions and millions of units with people who would love for whatever reason, to have Microsoft Office on that their device. And I think they could make a lot of money selling it. Um, however, the flip side is, uh, just today as we record this on July 10th, Steve Ballmer made a statement how he's going to fight Apple at every level. He gave his Winston Churchill speech again, you know, about Apple. And what's the Was keep- he dancing at the time he did this? I, I haven't seen the video. Don't get me started. But the... Uh, <laughs> But the point of it being is that he, you know, it is on like Donkey Kong or whatever he said. And so, what's to keep them from saying, you know, we're not going to put our Microsoft Office on the iPad? If you want Microsoft Office, you have to buy our, you know, our device. And there's nothing to stop them from doing that. I don't think it's a very smart move. But hey, you know, who, who am I to say? You know, what? I'm just a you know dorky lawyer, likes nerdy stuff, but. If I was Microsoft, I would have already had it there. The fact that it's not there yet tells me that they're really not that excited about it. Yeah. Well, I have a source Uh who says it's coming in November. 
source. And this is a source who's not a rumor this? monger. Huh? I know. This is one. Didn't we say we're not going to be a rumor show? Yeah. I have a source who says it's coming in November. Apparently, there's some big Microsoft uh, conference for all of their people in November, and he says it's it's coming then or October or something like late late fall. I don't remember the exact date. I wasn't paying much attention, but I was just like, oh well, it's about dang time. Now, I, I mean, I don't know how the release of the Surface will will change or modify this. I, I I agree with you. I think they're just fools if they don't release it because I tell you, everyone in my office, every attorney in my office has an iPad that they've bought themselves, and every single one of them has asked me, how do I download Word on here? And they could they could every break, single one of them would buy it. They could break all the rules. They could say, you know what, this is going to be sixty dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, they could break all the usual app store rules, and people will just line up to buy it. And so that's why I think it's silly that they, it's not already there. And if it shows up, great. Uh, there's this on live desktop, and that's an app, and they run a virtual server. I guess virtual isn't the right word. They have a server that runs Microsoft Office that you see a little Windows, I think it's Windows XP desktop, and you can upload files to it and run the <laughs> the older version of Microsoft Word virtually on your iPad. Have you ever played with this, Katie? Yeah, I think I was the one who told you about it. Okay. So what do you Sorry. think about it? I, I think it's a kludgy solution. I think people are so desperate for a solution that they'll do it. I, and OnLife has other applications besides just doing, you know, uh, Word. I mean, they, they do other things, I think, in their, their upper levels that they, they try to sell you. They have Excel and PowerPoint, too, I know. Yeah. I personally like an app-based solution better. But this this fits a niche. You know, if I'm going to do this, why wouldn't I just remote access into my my server at work that's a, a Windows XP-based server. Yeah. Or not Windows XP, but whatever that era-based server was, and and run my own copy on my own server. I know some people that are really excited about this and use it, and I've I've played with it, and I just cannot get into it. And, I mean, this just reminds me of why, you know, maybe because I used to have a Windows tablet computer, and it was just so terrible. You know, the... Uh, you know. I, I just want you to know that that brings a smile to my face to think of Max Sparky used to be this this PC nerd not all that long ago. Well, you know, I had Max too, but we had, you know, there was no tablet. And this was mm-hmm. like in, what year was this? I'd say it was 94, 95 around then. But the, uh, it was like, it was terrible. And But you know, the whole thing was the touch targets were too small. I and mean, everything that Apple got right, Microsoft never thought about. But either way... Uh, on live desktop is not my thing, but if you're really desperate for Microsoft Office on your iPad, there you have it. Okay, so let's talk about writing for real. <laughs> okay. Do okay. you want to you want to take a first sponsor break first? We've been going for a little while here. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, we have an exclusive sponsor today. We do have an exclusive sponsor, and that is Smile Software. And Smile is the maker of some. Excellent software for both your Mac and your iPad that will help you get work done and be productive on both platforms. And I think first, uh, let's go ahead and talk about Text Expander. Okay. So, I, I love Text Expander. You know, they came out with version 4, and now they have made fill-in forms. I, this is remarkable, you know, because before you could do a fill-in form in Text Expander, and by that I mean you'd run a snippet and you could have a wild card in there, like a variable. And when you hit the snippet, it would allow you to fill that in. So if I was writing a letter, it would say, dear blank, and then I could write in Katie, and then Mm -hmm. it would fill in the rest of the snippet for me. Well, they took this and supercharged it with this version 4.0. Now you can do short snippets like they used to have, 
or really long snippets, or you can do a fill-in snippet where it gives you five or six suggestions, and you can pick among them. So if you're sending it to you know what, uh, uh, vendors, you could have a list of vendors in there. And then they've got selectable snippets as well. So this is like heaven for me as a lawyer because I have specific contract clauses I use all the time, but not in every contract. Like There's certain kinds of things I do. I had a promissory note snippet today, and I've got like 16 different things to pick from. I just check the box for the ones I want, and bam, it's there. It's scary how efficient you can get with this stuff. I just see you having a great time creating these snippets initially, and then knowing that with just two or three keystrokes, magically they're going to appear on page. I'm not going to even ask you if you still bill your clients for the full amount of time. I won't go there. No, I, I, I'm really good with my clients. I, <laughs> my clients can't get over how cheap I am because I get stuff done so much faster. Yeah, you know? but the, but that's the beauty of text uh, expander. Whether you whether you do it once or whether you do it a hundred times. You've just got a text expander snippet. It's just a couple of buttons. So anything that you're going to do over and over and over and over again, just take it and take an opportunity to go ahead and make a snippet for it, and you will save tons of time. People at my office are amazed because I've got uh, Brevi installed on my PC at the office, and I, I'm getting a Mac at the office soon. I don't know if I told you that. Yeah. And I've, it syncs with text expander via Dropbox, and I just a couple of keystrokes. I need a notary block. Boom, there's a notary block. I need a certificate of service. Boom, there's a certificate of service. I need my signature line. There it is. I want just my email address. There it is. And and out they all come. And now that you have this ability to do multiple fill-in snippets, I mean, I'm, I've got certain form letters that I send out, and they're going out over and over and over again. Yeah, I, you know, I did a video for them. Um, well, I just did it really for myself, but they liked it, so I let them use it. And uh, it's on their website. I'll put a link to the show notes of it, just showing how this new feature works. And I made it kind of humorous. I actually got, what did they say? Macworld wrote up the new product, and they linked to my video, but they said it had, I think, colorful and adult language in it. <laughs> yes, it had adult language in it. Please be aware that David's video has adult language in it. Yeah, but... Uh, Anyway, it was, it was just kind of funny. But either way, uh, so I, I did a little video on it. So go check it out if you haven't. But, you know, Text Expander really is, is so useful. I mean, I, we've been talking about this product for years, and it's worth it. It's worth right. it. Uh, Text Expander 4 is now available exclusively through the Smile website. That's at smilesoftware.com. Go to smilesoftware.com slash MPU and support the show. And Text Expander is $34.95. If you own a previous version of Text Expander, you can upgrade for only $15. That includes the App Store versions. They're really smart. They were able to figure out, oh, you've got an App Store version installed. We can update that too. And if you purchased your copy of Text Expander after January 15th, free, free upgrade to version 4. Yeah, and do not buy it in the App Store. Buy it directly from them. I'm not even sure if it's in the App Store anymore, but don't do that. Yeah, it was last time I checked, but my guess is it won't be for long. Yeah. Well, thanks, Smile, for supporting the show. Yep, and we'll be talking more about them later. So we got through uh, word processing. Now let's talk about real writing text editors. I think it all starts with what I call the Terpster table. Okay. Uh, so Brett, we talked about this on our, our, our show with Brett, didn't we? I, I'm pretty sure we did. And so, yeah. so Brett... There is an abundance. Let me back up. Okay, there's an abundance of riches on the iPad for text editors, and you know, and David it, owns every one of them. Probably pretty close. Uh, so, so the iPad Developer Kit makes it really easy to create a text field, and I guess that's the starting point. 
And I always have, you know, I always resented the fact that there was only a couple people that made word processors. And that's because it used to be very expensive to develop software. So people like Microsoft and WordPerfect and, you know, there's two or three companies out there. And so there was nothing innovative, really, because these were multi-million dollar, if not more, um, deals putting this stuff together. And you had entire teams and committees. And, you know, that stuff never leaves, leaves innovation. But in the last few years, on the Mac and the iPad, we have seen this kind of blossoming of the garage developer making their own text editors. And as a result, no matter what your desire is, there is an app for you. Uh, there are so many, and there's new ones like every week coming out with text editors, some with Markdown support, some without it, some with uh, fancy plugins to dictionaries, some with, uh, you know, diagnostics about how old you are based on the number of words you use, some to help make your writing better, some that just give you the plain words, some that just show you like one or two lines of your text and hide everything else, which I never understood. And you know, just whatever you can think of. They've got Dropbox support, iCloud support, you name it. So it became difficult to figure out what it is that you needed. And uh, Brett put together this excellent chart. and We talked about it when he was on the show. And I don't remember what show that was, but I'll put it in the show notes. And it's a great way to go figure out what what text editors really look good for you. Yeah, you can sort them by column. So you can say, for example, if I only want a text, or by feature rather. So if you say, for example, I only want text editors that support iCloud, Dropbox, and Text Expander, which is on my must-have list, you can check those off and it will only show you those text editors which have those features. And you can narrow the list from 100 plus text editors to maybe a couple dozen or, or less. Did I tell you my theory about Terpstra? No. I finally figured that guy he, out. Is he a robot? He's a robot. That's it. Because like, oh. I'll like wake up and I'll go to the dry cleaner and drop off my shirts and get gas, and I'll come home and he'll have made a new program. Yeah. <laughs> he'll have made a new app. I think he's probably an Android he's a robot. robot. He's a robot. He won't yeah. admit it, but I'm pretty sure he is. Anyway, Maybe so he doesn't know. That's the place you go to look at them. But what are the ones we use? Uh, we've already kind of spilled the beans. I, I really like ByWord. And yep. uh, they were a, a brief sponsor of our show. I loved their app before that and has nothing to do with it. Uh, they're just it, it just scratches my itch. I mean, it's a really great app. It has iCloud support, which is what I use for syncing ByWord. And like you, Katie, ByWord is exclusively iCloud for me. I just have probably... 20 text files in there of things I'm working on, ranging from Macworld articles to legal briefs and other little things. And I just like knowing that everything is always syncing. It's on my phone. It's on my, my iPad. It's on my Mac. I've never had a problem. I don't have as many text files in that as I have text files in a program like NVL to my Mac. In fact, I've got like 700 of those. And I sync those to my iPad through a different app, which is Writeroom. And that, you know, it's weird because that's always kind of jumping around. I was using Notesy for a long time and Gabe Weatherhead over at Mac Drifter made a note about how fast they were syncing for him in right room. So I tried it and I've been sticking with that one because it does sync a lot of notes remarkably quickly. How about you? Now you use basically by word for general writing, right room for syncing and Vialt. And didn't you use another one for syncing Scrivener? Well, for a while. I mean, when I. Oh, no, not anymore, though. Yeah. To tell you, when I was writing the books for Wiley, like the Mac at work and the iPad at work book, 
I had this massive Scrivener project, and right. so I was syncing it through Notesy, and and they have the ability in Scrivener to sync directly to a Dropbox folder, and so I was doing that, which worked just fine. But I know Scrivener is working on an iPad app, which I'm very excited to see come true pretty soon, hopefully. Uh, and frankly, I just got out of the the habit of syncing that stuff. Uh, the writing projects I'm working on now, when I do something outside of Scrivener on a big project, I just write it in ByWord and later import it. Yeah. So I I understand why you had your segregated system because you kind of have this one devoted to your NVL stuff, this one devoted to general writing, this one devoted to Scrivener. I tell you, I'm pretty aggressive with pruning down my apps. I, maybe part of that is the fact that I only have a 16-gig iPad and I'm very conscientious about the number of apps that I keep on there. And, I, you know, I just don't like to get a lot of cruft. I'm, I'm a creature of comfort, and once I find something that I like, I stick with it. So I was using SimpleNote for a while for text notes and syncing that with NVAlt on my Mac. And that system just really never took off for me. It kind of got replaced to some extent by Evernote, which I think we'll talk about a little bit later. And a little bit that I was, you know, using pages, but it was just kind of heavy duty to use every day. I'm pretty much exclusively using ByWord for all of my word processing on my iPad, with the exception of the work stuff that I'm doing uh, on the iPad, which are office documents. For that, I'm using documents to go, but I I really think I'm probably going to make the switch over um, to Office Squared. So we'll see about that. Okay, so two questions arise out of that. First is... Do you really write in, um, what was it, Documents to Go? How does no, it do that? I don't write in Documents to Go. Basically, the way that that process works is, for whatever reason, I'm, I'm out of the office, I'm on vacation, or I'm working from home, or I'm, I'm just not in the office for whatever reason. And so I don't have access to my office and my work setup. Because all of our documents at work are stored on a central server at the office that in order to have access to them when I'm not at the office, I either have to put them in my Dropbox folder, my secretary has to email them to me if I haven't thought to put, I have a Dropbox folder that I share certain documents with, but if I haven't thought in advance, okay, I'm going to be working on this and I put them in my Dropbox folder, then I have to, you know, email my secretary and say, send me this document, or she'll send me a document, you know, in draft form that I'll need to make changes to. So my, My head started hurting like halfway through that answer. I'm sorry. It's, it's it's an inelegant solution. No, no. I mean, it's not your fault. It's just the way this stuff works is so screwy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's just, I don't get it. You know, I bet if Microsoft Office comes to the iPad that they're going to tie it into their online subscription service. Which I would love for our office to get into some kind of major cloud-based storage solution, but uh, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So really, for me, it's it's weird because I say writing, I'm talking about ByWord and Write Room. Write Room, for me, is almost a reference app more than it is a writing app. I mean, rarely, mean rarely do I write on those, cause those six or 700 text files in there. I, if I need to get information out of it or maybe update something quickly, I will. But real writing happens for me in ByWord. Gotcha. There's a couple other apps I wanted to mention, though. Uh, one is Writing Kit, which I think is really remarkable, and I really like it, but I can't bring myself to use it. I mean, it's a very friendly, Markdown-friendly app, but you know, just by, by word works for me. And part of the thing about Markdown is it's really not that hard, and you don't need an app that specifically you know acknowledges you're using it, uh, even though ByWord does. But so I don't know. Writing Kit is cool. Um, uh, there's another one called Phraseology, which is kind of fun. I've written some stuff in that app. 
and they've got a companion app called Terminology, which is a really good kind of word tool. And they work together, which is kind of neat too. But you know, at the end of the day, if I need to write something, I open ByWord. Hmm. There's another app also worthy of mention. I said this wasn't going to be a list of apps, but here we go. Um, uh, and my friend Gabe Weatherhead over at MacDrifter just wrote a review on this app. Thirteen dollars seems kind of you know expensive in the iPad world, but it's called World WordFlex Touch Dictionary. Have you seen this? No, I haven't heard of that. No. Oh man, it's really cool. I just downloaded it. I started playing with it today. I, I can't really do a review on it. I'm going to link to Gabe's, uh, but it's really fun. It looks at the etymology of words, and it you know it gives you like trees, and it breaks. You can put a word in like he in his article wrote about belligerent, then it breaks it down to the noun form, the adjective form. And it's really nice. Uh, so I'll just go check it out. You got, I'm not really just doing it justice. But if you're interested in this kind of thing, go check out WordFlex and see what you think. Mm-hmm. What about taking notes on the iPad? Do you ever do that in a non-text editor or word processor? Yeah, I, I still really like Notability, which is the application that records while you take notes. Okay. And I use it all the time. Um, and I don't take extensive notes inside of it, but I put signposting in it. So if I sit down, and we talked about this in the meeting show, so I probably don't want to spend a lot of time on this, which wasn't very long ago. But, you know, you, you, you get in a meeting, turn on notability, say, hey, everybody, I'm recording, hit the, hit the red button, and then you write, you know, point one, uh, whatever the meeting is. And then you can leave that app because it will continue to record and then go do whatever you do while you're using the meeting. And when you get to point two, jump back to the app, hit point two. And so later you can go back and you've, in essence, got an index of the recording. Now, when you say write, do you mean handwrite or type? You can do either. It used to right, be just but typing. what do you usually do? I, I type. Right. I type. I, I still haven't got over you know writing on the iPad. I've tried different styluses. and I mean, the fact is I can barely write on paper. So who am I kidding? I have that problem too. And one of the things I like about Notability, I don't know if you've used this feature in it, is that it. the problem with the iPad is if you were to write on the iPad, you can't write on the iPad like you can on a piece of paper. I mean, on a piece of paper, you could fit, what, 500 words on a single piece of paper if you were to handwrite it, 1,000? I mean, I have no idea, but the point is a lot. On the iPad, you can fit maybe... 15 words before you run out of room writing on a single page of the iPad and you have to flip to the next page. So Notability has this neat feature that I really like where it will zoom in where you're handwriting and you basically write on the bottom of the iPad and what it's actually doing, and it's it's got a little like a... I don't know what you would call it. It's a little green space, but I guess it's like a little return space where you just start writing and you would write in what's a comfortable size for you, and you can adjust that, which for me is like maybe an inch and a half or so on on the actual iPad. But yet it will translate it into what is a normal single line of text. And as soon as you start getting close to the edge of the screen, it will automatically scroll for you. So you can just keep writing and just keep writing and just keep writing. And, you know, almost like a carriage return on a typewriter. So as you're writing and printing largely on your iPad, the you're, you can still fit a whole page of notes on a single screen that you can, you know, PDF or save or whatever you're doing later. So that is an interesting feature to me. My handwriting is still atrocious on the iPad, but it is, it is readable when I use that feature. 
I played with the handwriting and just realized that I'm not capable of it, and it doesn't take me long to type. I've got really efficient on the iPad keyboard. Right. Because I'm a touch typist, and I'm not used to looking at the keys, if that makes any sense. And I don't type with the iPad keyboard with the full, you know, four fingers like you do on a normal keyboard, but I'm still pretty no, fast I don't either. on it. Now, I cannot touch type on the iPad, can you? I have to look at the keys no. occasionally. No, I can't. It's just too small. Right. Um, an- another Note app that I just wanted to mention is one that I think Marco mentioned on Build and Analyze maybe two weeks ago, and that's Note Taker HD. It's one that I, I don't feel like I'm able to talk about a whole lot because I've just been using it briefly. But again, it's got that same concept where, you know, you can write in your normal print and it naturally follows you so that it scales down for the page. And it's it's designed to allow you to take notes at your pace and at your size on the iPad and it will scale them down. So. You know, uh, we were so optimistic about this show because we're like one eighth of the way through the outline and we're at 50 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> oh, okay. I think I think you know this. This was the I. I hmm. <laughs> All right. Let's just talk anyway. Um, I think it will go faster. Let's talk about PDFs. Okay. So, uh, PDFs have been interesting for me. Before the iPad came out, after it was announced, before it came out, I remember writing and tweeting that somebody's going to get really rich because they're going to come out with a really good PDF app. And that's going to be the real, you know, golden ticket for a lot of people who work with their iPads because PDFs are such a big deal anymore. And there has been this really interesting development. So first, I think the first winner of that was Goodreader. Mm-hmm. And when they first came out, it was like a dollar. I remember it was really cheap when I bought it. I remember I bought it when it was a dollar. Yeah. Like I think on iPad introduction day. Yeah. And so that was, I think, the first one that people liked. And Goodreader is amazing because it does so much. It's got like every possible preference and every possible file. I mean, it just doesn't read PDFs. It reads just about any file you throw at your iPad. In fact, it's not a bad app to have on your iPad just to open stuff that you can't figure out how to open anywhere else. Um, but And I used it for a long time. In fact, I featured it in iPad at work. But sometime... We, after, did, we did a whole show on Goodreader. Yeah, we did. We did a show on it like a while back. and But mm-hmm. at some point... Um, after I finished iPad at work, I started looking at the problems I was having with Goodreader and kind of the fiction, friction points I was having and using it. And it just was, it was just starting to nag on me and it wasn't a good interface. And it, you know, there's a things, things about I didn't like. So I started looking at alternatives and I went over and started using PDF expert, which is a really great app. And it's a little more user-friendly. It doesn't go quite as deep, especially with other file formats as Goodreader does, but it's a really good App. And then um, in January, Smile released PDF Pen for iPad. And and it actually goes back farther than that for me, because last year I met with some of the Smile developers when I was speaking at an event and and was able to sit down with them, because they were giving me the betas of this. And and I, I, I played a small you know part in it, but I, I really had specific needs I wanted out of a PDF app that I felt I wasn't getting. And and realized at that time I was using Goodreader exclusively, so I felt like I had a hand in it, and I really, you know, it really grew on me. And then when Smile released the most recent major update to PDF Pen for iPad, and it now supports both iCloud syncing and Dropbox syncing, and since then I've gone, I've kind of come this long journey. Now I'm just using PDF Pen for iPad for everything. Yeah. 
Goodreader always seemed like an effort, and it was a worthwhile effort in the beginning when there was really no other alternative but to use Goodreader. I mean, don't get me wrong. You were able to do some amazing things with Goodreader that you couldn't do with any other application. But to me, it always felt like a kludgy workaround. I would not use the word elegant when describing Goodreader in any shape or form. Yeah, the, but the, it was, yeah, it was I, a power horse. The way I explained it in the, um, in the iPad at work was it was like one of those boxers with a broken nose that everybody makes fun of but keeps putting the other guys down. Yeah, that's kind of like Goodreader, you know. But at some point, I realized I I didn't want an ugly boxer for my PDFs. Yeah, but it was a workhorse, and it got the job done. And and I think that's why we used it for so long is because there just weren't applications that did what Goodreader does. And I agree with you; it's still an application that I have on my iPad. It's not one that I open nearly as frequently, but sometimes if you need to get a file and you can't open it otherwise, you know, Goodreader, I think, is just one of those good utilities to have on your iPad. Because if you've got a problem that you can't solve somewhere else, Goodreader may be the solution for you. Uh, but like you, David, I had a little inside information that uh, Smile was coming out with PDF Pen for iPad. Having used PDF Pen on the Mac forever, knowing that Smile was coming out with PDF Pen on the iPad, I didn't even look for an alternative like you did with PDF Expert. I just said, you know what, Goodreader's going to get me by until Smile comes out with PDF Pen for iPad. Then I was using the betas for a while, and Smile certainly didn't disappoint. Yeah, well, the, for me, it was kind of more gradual. When PDF Pen for iPad came out, I, I very much prefer the interface and the way it works with, uh, with PDFs. But it didn't have Dropbox uh, syncing, which to me is critical. And right. I can't emphasize that enough because I've got Dropbox folders that I need to sync over. Um, so I was using it with iCloud and it's great for iCloud. And I think I've talked about it in the show and, and ad spots we've done for them that, you know, the idea of just having it show up on your device, just like those byword files and then going into a meeting, opening your Mac and just picking up where you left off is amazing. And the fact that you can do that with a PDF is even more amazing. So I was a big fan, but when they added the Dropbox sync, then that was really it for me. And I don't know how they did this. And I guess maybe it was never prohibited, but it just never occurred to me that you could have an app that could simultaneously sync iPad, I mean, with the uh, Dropbox and iCloud. But Goodreader does that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeez. All right. I'm, I'm not drinking, I swear. Um, but PDF Pen for iPad syncs both to iCloud and Dropbox. Best of both worlds. Yeah, I mean, it's great. I, I really am um, digging this app. And I know it sounds like I'm a shill because they you know, they pay us to advertise on this show. But honestly, people don't realize how many advertisers we don't accept and that we only talk about stuff we love because we love it. If I thought this wasn't a good app, I would be telling you right now. But PDF Pin for iPad is the winner. Well, do we want to go ahead and maybe turn this into their second ad spot and tell them a little bit more about PDF Pen and yeah, where okay. they can get it? We're, we're here. So I'm, <laughs> since we're here anyway. Um, so what else can PDF Pen for the iPad do? I mean, first off, it's pretty much a complete full-featured solution for editing uh, PDFs on your iPad. You can you can edit PDFs. You can add information to PDFs. You can add your signature to PDFs. So you can, you know, I've got, for example, like my signature, my initials, uh, and a couple of other things that I've got stored in their little library that you can drag and drop onto PDFs if you want to do that. Uh, just like you can with PDF Pen on the Mac, you can make corrections. So you can fix typos or resize or delete images. Like when my secretary sends me something to sign and I see that one little typo that I need to fix, but I don't want to send it back to her and, and, you know, do this whole back and forth thing. I can, I can fix it with PDF pen on the iPad. 
Uh, and then as you said, it, it syncs with iCloud and with Dropbox at the same time. So that was, that was really the missing sync for a lot of people. Missing sync. Hmm. Um, for a lot of people that, that now it will do both. So uh, PDF Pen is really an end-to-end solution, I think, and does everything that I need to manage my PDFs on, on the iPad, which is why I haven't looked for an alternative solution. And, of course, there are Mac versions as well. So if you, if you like PDF Pen for the iPad, you're going to love PDF Pen for your Mac where you can do all of that and even more on the Mac version, including um, OCRing documents, making corrections to PDF text on your Mac, and much, much more with PDF Pen for uh, Mac and PDF Pen Pro, which will take it a step further than that and allow you to create table of contents, create PDFs from web pages. And it's just amazing software. It's my default PDF reader, both on the Mac and on the iPad now. Yeah, and the you know the thing is, they didn't take the easy road with this iPad app. It would have been so easy to throw, you know, 500 buttons at you and switches and sliders, but you open it up and it's a very simple interface, but it's natural. And if you just start tapping, you know, a few things, you figure it out very quickly. And very, for me, at least it became second nature almost immediately. I don't think there's, I'm sure there is an instruction manual, but I'm not very good at reading those things. I never read it. It's, it was, it was a non-issue. I, I, as soon as I opened it, I knew how to use it. Yeah. Well, I, I just, I just don't think you can really understate how hard that is to make an app that manages PDFs and lets you annotate them and lets you fix them and lets you sign them and does all this stuff without making this terrible interface. I mean, that, that's basically, I think what happened with good readers is they got the tools, but the interface never really got there for me. Right. I agree. All right. So you can find all of this great software, PDF Pen, PDF Pen Pro, PDF Pen for iPad, and more information is available over at the Smile website, smilesoftware.com. PDF Pen for iPad is available in the App Store for $14.99. PDF Pen for Mac is available in the Mac App Store or on the Smile website for $59.95. And PDF Pen Pro is available either in the Mac App Store or on the Smile website for $99.95. And with the software available on their website, they do have free trials, free downloads, and they have a 90-day money-back guarantee. Um, So try it before you buy it, and if you don't love it, which I know you will, you can get your money back. All right. Let's talk a little bit about remote access, because I think that's a big deal if you want to be productive on your iPad. You may need to get back into your Mac, your Office PC. Okay. Uh, For me... I've been all about the Screens app. You, used it? Uh, you know, it was on sale recently and um, 50% off. I don't know if it still is. That may be something people want to check out. I think it was a short time deal. But yeah, I use Screens. Uh, I use Screens exclusively as my remote access within my home network on Bonjour. Anything I do outside my network that requires maybe a little bit more security or uh, I use uh, I use LogMeIn for. Yeah, log me in's great. And then for me at work, we have a, a, a an old version of Microsoft Exchange running, and the Jump Desktop app handles Microsoft RDC remote desktop connection very well. So I do use that for the office computer. Right. I I, I, you know, I don't I don't use remote desktop to my office yeah, on my we iPad. I probably that. need to. And we were both just thinking that. How often do you really resort to it? You know, I have a I have this head. Well, it's not headless. I have this Mac Mini in the office. How often do I remote desktop to my Mac to my PC in the office? Yeah, 
very little from my iPad. Actually, never on my iPad because I don't have the remote desktop app on my iPad. I do occasionally from my computer, my my uh, MacBook Air at home. But screens, it's almost funny. Screens on either my iPad or my iPhone has become my default keyboard and mouse for my Mac Mini. Really? <laughs> yeah. I could see that. Um, I, my Mac Mini is set up inside my uh, entertainment system. So it's not hard to get to, and it's it's connected via HDMI to my plasma TV. And I do have a, an Apple Bluetooth keyboard and a and a Magic Trackpad that I just you know keep in a drawer, and I can pull it out and use it on the coffee table if I ever need to do anything like run software updates or I ever need to interface with the TV. Most of my interface with the T with the, I'm sorry with the Mac is done through Apple TV because I'm just streaming whatever is in iTunes. But you know sometimes you need to actually interface with the Mac, and whenever I used to do that, I used to bring out the keyboard and mouse and do that. And now I'm just laying on the couch pulling up screens and. You know, tap, 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 doing whatever I need to do. Yeah, you know, for work, the the few times I need to get into the work network is usually when I need to see somebody else's calendar. You know, because right. the way our system works, I can't see it, and maybe I'm helping somebody on a different case or something like that. And so I need it for that. But you know, like logging in to run Microsoft Word, I'm not going to do that. I'll just start writing something in By Word, and eventually it'll find its way to Microsoft Word at, at the office. Um, yeah. And so I really don't have that much need for it. I have a friend who uses um, screens almost exclusively to run an installation of QuickBooks and uh, uses it all the time. So I, I think there there are good solutions for this, and especially with this new iPad with this high-definition screen. You know, this is nice. It, it looks really good. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, the the rationale behind me using screens inside my network and log me in outside is just because log me in supports that two factor authentication. All right. Hey, so. Let's skip the next one and jump down to calculators and spreadsheets real quick. Okay. Because this is something that I like. Um uh and I, I've thought about doing a whole show on this, but I'm I'm not sure it justifies it. But um I use numbers, Apple's numbers on the iPad as my own personal development platform, you know? <laughs> Okay. You in essence, you in essence can create applications using numbers. You know, um, uh, and here's an example. Um, I go to settlement conferences all the time. Have I ever talked about this in a show? I don't think so. Y- you've talked about it in terms of you do it, but you haven't talked about it in a lot of detail. So yeah. maybe this is an opportunity to do yeah. that. So you know, when you sit down and you are working on settling a case, it's very difficult because there's a lot of emotion and other things involved. But there's also money and. You know, how do you figure out what it's worth? And if you're sitting there and you know, well, we're going to have a one-month trial, we're going to have to have a jury, and we're going to have to hire expert witnesses, and you're going to have to pay attorney fees and all these things, that, you know, going forward, and that's how much it's going to cost. And then you're going to have some kind of number offered to you, or you're going to be offering some kind of number. And you've got to figure out, is, is $10 today, you know, more valuable than $20 at the end of trial? And so you've got to figure this stuff out, and there's math involved. But you also don't really know. You know, you never really know for sure what the case is going to be worth. Though you, the only time you know is after the jury comes back and reads that piece of paper, which can be exhilar- exhilarating, ter- terrifying, you know, rewarding and disappointing all at once. So yeah, but but I will tell you, and I'm sure you've had this experience as well. Not many people are happy after a trial, yeah. win or lose. 
Yeah. But anyway. But either way, I mean, the, the fact is, you, you just never know. So how do you figure it out? And there is a lot of science behind this. And where you kind of look at statistically what you think your high and your low is and the percentages, there is a way to use some degree of logic in trying to figure out what a case is worth. And, you know, when you factor in future cost and the probability of winning and the the biggest win and the lowest win and the most likely win. So I, I created a series of spreadsheets based on this back on my Mac years ago. And I would always bring it to settlement conferences with me and I would have it kind of working for me in the background so I could have some kind of idea. And when the iPad came out, one of the first things I did in numbers is I transitioned all that data over to an iPad spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. And I put in really pretty graphs and charts for all the numbers so you could see it visually. And I put that in my client's hand during a mediation. And I let them put the data in. I let them play with the numbers. And it really lets them it really lets them feel like they're getting a piece of this and they understand what's going on. And they're not just kind of like a um a barrel going over Niagara Falls. Instead they have some control over what's happening. And they should. So it's something that I've, I've built, and it's I call it, it's like an app. In fact, at the ABA Tech Show this year, I showed it to an app developer because I had talked about it at one of my sessions, and I'm pretty sure the guy is building an app around it. He he took a copy of it, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's it may already be in the app store for all I know. But um, the uh, so, but just think about that and think about your life and what can you do with numbers that that helps you make things easier. I mean, I have other ones I make that are simpler, but that's probably the most complex one. So I always talk about that one, but I have a bunch of little spreadsheets and numbers that really are apps for me. That's, and are these are things that you've created years ago in Excel and just imported over and yeah, I mean, yeah, I created them before numbers existed on the Mac, some of it, you know, but the, uh, you know, interest, interest calculators and just things that you do repeatedly. So you have a nice pretty form to fill it in with. Right. I'm going to post, you know, I'm just going to post up my um, settlement spreadsheet. And if you're not a lawyer, then you can download it and play with it if you want. I don't know if it has any use to you at, at all. If you are a lawyer, go go nuts, you know. I'm wow. just going to post Man, it. Man, you should, you should make people pay for that or something. Uh, you know what? You can make some money. It's all right. All right. So well, the show's going up in a week. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll you got a week to write a post. Yeah. I don't do anything nearly that fancy, although I, I will once I steal all of your, your spreadsheets and information. I guess I should have done that years ago had I known you were going to give it all away. Well, I, um, you know, I would say don't use it against me, but if you're trying to settle the case with me, I think your client should see that information too. <laughs> might help yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, just a, the simple utilities that I, I use is I use CalcBot from the TapBots people. I just love almost all of their apps. Yeah. I love the sounds they make. The The iPad did not ship with a calculator, and I've never been a huge fan of the calculator on the on the iPhone. So, you know, kind of solved two problems in one for me. One was I needed a calculator for the iPad, and two is I didn't really love the one on the iPhone, and it was a hybrid app, so I bought it for a couple of bucks and got both. Yeah, that's a nice calculator. Simple. There's much fancier ones. I wrote about several of the big ones in the iPad at workbook. I just don't need anything that fancy. Well, what about like date calculations? As a lawyer, you must need to do date calculations. Oh yeah, I guess I, I forgot about that. I mean, I have I have websites bookmarked that that do things like that. 
I thought maybe I have an app. Maybe I have an app on my iPhone that does that. And Siri does date calculations. Right. But sometimes I get the syntax wrong and I, I forget. So, but I, I try to use it for that. Yeah. So printing, we talked a little bit about printing and I, I talked about how I just have a, a basic Canon multifunction printer that I've had probably for five, six years. It just won't die. I keep, you know, number one, I keep thinking, do I really need a printer? How how often do I actually print things? And the answer is probably only a couple of times a year at home. Obviously, I print things at the office all the time, but do I really need a home printer? And I'm not sure that I do, but as long as this thing keeps going and the ink's pretty cheap, I, I keep it in operation. But it is nice to occasionally be able to print things from the iPad, and this was not one of the blessed iOS-enabled printers. So I've used the little utility Printopia, and the the printer is connected to an Airport Express because it's yeah, so that I can have the ability to print wirelessly. And so the printer is available to my Mac Mini. You know, again, the benefit of having a, a computer that's always on somewhere in your house doing things for you with Printopia loaded on the Mac Mini. So pretty much as as long as I'm in my house on my Wi-Fi network, I can print from any of my iOS devices to this printer using Printopia through the Mac Mini. Yeah, you know, we, uh, my wife has wanted to be able to easily print pictures from her iPhone, and it, she finds it quite vexing that she cannot. Oh. You know, the idea that you got to put it into iPhoto and then send it off to Target or whatever that she does. And she said, I just want to print pictures from my phone. That's all. Um, so yesterday, we were at a Costco and bought, you guys have Costco on the East Coast? No. Yes. Like Sam's yes, we Club. do. Yeah, right. yeah. I don't I don't have a Costco here, Club but we do have Costco's kind of here. You go in there and you mm-hmm. eat like everywhere. You just keep eating free stuff. <laughs> yes. You know? On Saturday mornings. Yeah. So anyway, and and it's really like crazy trying to navigate. But either way, they had a And you buy like you know, fifty rolls of toilet paper at a time? No, like at least two hundred. Oh, okay. My so, bad. Anyway, so the um the HP sixty five fifteen, which is a hundred and fourteen dollars at Costco right now. Uh, so we bought one, and it's it's got the new fancy stuff. So it, it the iPhone sees it. It's iPrint. It's, I already forget the term of art. It's iOS print. What do they call that? AirPrint. It's AirPrint enabled. There we go. AirPrint, yes. Uh, so it's so ridiculously easy. You plug it in, and you did, I never plugged it into a computer. I plugged it into the wall and had a little screen where I put in my Wi-Fi password, and that was it. And so when she prints now pictures from her phone... It's got two feeders. It's got one for eight and a half by eleven paper and one for photo paper. And if you send it a photograph, it uses the photo paper. And if you print an email, it uses the white paper. That's very it just clever. Knows. And it's also got a, a, a picture scanner in it. So you know, like all I have is a scan snap. So I've never had a picture scanner for years. So I guess to the extent I didn't want to scan a picture with a traditional flatbed picture scanner, I could do that too. And it's nice to have a flatbed scanner for certain things. Yeah, I don't know if I'll ever use it, but the printing is great. And I'll tell you what, I, I'm a big fan of Printopia too, but now having seen AirPrint with one of these things, you just plug into the wall like I could put it in the closet, which is what I'm going to do with this printer. <laughs> Literally, just plug it in the wall at the top of the closet and go get your picture out of the closet. Then you don't have to hear it, you don't have to see it. And now that I've seen that, I am not going back. When the we also have a laser printer. It's a HP like something something something. That's like five or six years old, and I paid like a hundred bucks for it. Then when that thing dies, I'm going to get the same 
thing. I'm going to get the black, you know, the, the laser printer mm-hmm. with the same feature. You know, for, for what it's worth, my printer is in my closet. And as long as I've got it connected to the Airport Express, as long as it's got power, it's happy. Yeah, but I mean, that's a separate device. and It is, but the Airport Express in where it is in my office is, is serving more functions than just the printer. I've also got speakers attached so that I can stream music. And so it was, it was worth it for 99 bucks, not only to be able to wirelessly print, but also to have, you know, speakers in that particular room. So. Okay. Last subject. Last subject. Last subject. Favorite utilities. Okay. I text expander. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this show is sponsored by smile. I know it's, Kind of weird, but it, text expander is so amazing. And, and you know, Apple has their shortcuts that they've built in. They don't sync. Like oh. they have iCloud. How come they don't sync? Like even things like my email address, I put in as a shortcut with the Apple, so I can use it when I'm writing in the Apple email program. It just makes me crazy that I, I, you know, forget to put it on the iPad too. I had to re uh, up my iPad recently. I had to reset it, and now all of the snippets are gone. And oh, they didn't even come over after they didn't. They didn't come over for my. No, phone. no, because I I had it's a long story, but okay, you know, and, and I had like you know I have the I have the shortcuts for OmniFocus for task entry. I've got bunches of those. I I blogged about those in the past, so I created them by hand on my iPad, and now they're just gone, and it just makes me nuts. Text Expander is is just a great app to have on your iPad, and and for me, like the text editor fields, when I'm looking at the Terpstra list. Nothing that doesn't support. Did I get that wrong? Okay. If it doesn't if have it text doesn't expander support, support yeah. it's off my list. I don't even right. want to look at it. Mm. I agree. One password is the other one, which is also also another one for sponsors. <laughs> well, see, the the theme here is we only accept sponsorships from products we know and love. Yeah, I mean, right. if your app is junky and you want us to sponsor, just forget it, man. We're not interested. But fix your stuff. I, I've got some like the the feature in One Password where you can go and fill. So if you're on the iPad, you go find a website in in the One Password application, and there's a little right facing arrow next to it, and mm-hmm. it opens its own browser right in One Password and goes and logs you in and opens it up. Mm-hmm. I use that probably three All or four time. times a day. And just to think of the idea of having to go and copy and paste these secure passwords, um, every time I want to do it would make me crazy. I mean, that's a great app. What other kinds Agreed. of utilities do you like to use, Katie? Uh, you know, let me look and see what's in my... I mean, if we're talking about productivity, you know, not not a lot of other utilities that add to productivity. I mean, I do have other utilities and tools installed on my iPad. I mean, I use the deliveries um, app to to track all my deliveries because I never check my front door. So it tells me when I've got to go check my front door because I might have something. I use Air Display to extend my display. I guess that could be productivity related. Do you use Air Display? You know, I, I hooked it up and I just never found a use for it. When do you use it? I I use it if I'm doing something very specific that I want to have on a on an external display or if I need an external display or 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 here's a here's a lazy one if something's going on on my Mac I guess I I you know a lot of this use has been replaced by screens but I I also used it previously if something was going on on my Mac that I wanted to monitor but I wanted to go to a different room 
you could do it that way too. It's really amazing the applications out there for the iPad. I mean, there whatever you want to do, it seems like there's an app oh, for it. Pastebot. Okay. You know, I like Pastebot, but I haven't been using it as much as I used to. Pastebot does not have a native iPad app. I wish it did. I use this quite a bit when I'm on the road with my iPad and it's my only device. And I use it a lot in conjunction with Text Expander. And so I'll, you know, create, I've got all my text expander snippets and I'll expand them. And so sometimes I'll just stick a whole bunch of stuff in Pastebot based on what I'm working on and I'll be able to copy and paste it. So basically what Pastebot is, is Pastebot is a multiple clipboard application. Yeah. And it's got some other features. I mean, it can sync your clipboards and between your, your iPad and your Mac, frankly, I've, or your iPhone and your Mac, I've never used those features. Well, you can send stuff straight to it from your Mac. So you can have a block of text, hit a keyword combination, and it shows up on your your, your mobile device. Right. Um, and it's like a collection of snippets, really, so the way a lot of people use it. To me, I, I kind of do that with NVAlt synced over to Rightroom, and then also a very, very aggressive set of text expander snippets. Yeah. So that's all. All right, are we done? We have we haven't covered like a third of this outline. Yeah. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do another show. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think this is as much as we can cover in one. I'm making myself bored, so I, I should probably stop. And and we got a lot of feedback. We owe people okay. answers, so let's uh, let's do that. All right. Oh, let's you know what? Real quick, one last one. Okay. Um, let's talk I about these, these um these keyboards for the iPad. Yay! That's a good one. Now you use the Apple Bluetooth keyboard. Yes. And your what what is your rationale for that? Did you try any others? Did you just like that one and use it from the very beginning? Well, I like it because it feels like the keyboard on my computer. In fact, it is the keyboard on my computer. So convenient that way. It's it's really nice. If I'm gonna be doing serious typing, the Bluetooth keyboard goes in. I've got a little Tombin iPad bag. You know. Mm-hmm. And I just keep the keyboard in there and I keep it in my trunk or when I travel, it goes in my travel bag. And, and so I can open it up mm-hmm. on airplanes, open it up, you know, restaurants or coffee shops or whatever. Um, and that works great for me. It, you know, fits my fingers and it does really good. It's, and you've got an origami case for that, right? Yeah. I've got it in the origami case. So it, the case for the keyboard, what you first, you need a keyboard case with the Apple keyboards. Cause I knocked a couple keys off of it, just, you know, yanking it in and out of bags. Right. And I went to the Apple store. They were helping me put them back on, right? And uh, then I put this origami on it. So that protects it, but it also props up the iPad when you're using it. Um, But I also recently bought something. I bought one of those Logitech keyboards. Have you seen those? I've seen them reviewed. I haven't seen one in person. I've seen like video reviews is of them. Called Ultra Thin or something. I this is this is the like the Microsoft Surface esque Logitech keyboard. This is the one that's a case as well. Sort of. Or, I mean, it, it is a cover for the iPad, and it it's really nice, and it's got a magnetic hinge on it, so it attaches just like a smart cover, but it's solid across. It doesn't fold up, obviously, and it's got a physical keyboard integrated into it, and a Bluetooth radio. And it's got um, a, you know, the, the keys feel pretty good. It is smaller than a standard keyboard. You, I can definitely feel my hands are a little cramped using it. But uh, if you want to go somewhere and not have to bring anything except your iPad and a slightly thicker case, this thing really does a pretty good job. Hmm. 
I mean, I've been playing with it, like, you know, even just like around the house, sitting around and just typing on it. But moreover, just like for really light days, I can bring it with me and um, with a very thin profile. Because, you know, the Apple Bluetooth keyboard does take up quite a bit of space. I mean, I would guess the Apple the Apple Bluetooth keyboard plus an iPad probably weighs more than a MacBook Air, but I'm not sure Maybe. of that. But either way, it, this is really nice for the ultra thin, um, you know, travel day. And yeah, and like that was it. curious for me. I, I mean, I ca- I, I that like came it. out after. Yeah, that you, came out after mine. Now, could you could you use that on your lap? Yes, I can, and I do. And it's got a nice little like slot that you lay the iPad in, and it. it I think that may be magnetic too, because it seems like it sticks in there pretty good. Mm-hmm. I should have researched that, but it, okay, it works so really you- good. And you got There's a there's a physical switch on it. I mean, one of the things that makes me kind of batty with the Apple Bluetooth keyboard is, you know, this aesthetic where you can't have an on and off switch. So you're not sure if the keyboard is on or off. And then, so you go and you either turn off Bluetooth entirely on your iPad just to make sure, or you, or you open the Bluetooth keyboard and yank the batteries out, or, you know, mm-hmm. there's like all these things. Because once you put it in your bag, you may touch the button again and it lights up, and then there's a key held down and your iPad think someone keeps trying to log in with an illegal password or something because keys are getting pressed. It's just it's just a bad thing all around. Yeah. Well, I actually tried the the Bluetooth keyboard. I bought a Bluetooth keyboard for my iPad a while ago. That is actually now the Bluetooth keyboard that is controlling my Mac Mini. And I traveled once or twice with it and had problems both times. And I just said, I'm never doing this again. Now, I did not have an external case for it which was probably my big problem. But the problem I ran into is the first time I traveled with it, I stuck it in my bag and I popped like the, the up arrow key off. And not only did I pop it off, but I broke it. So now my up arrow key is glued to my keyboard with super glue. Is that tacky? That's awesome. really tacky, isn't it? Awesome. Yeah. So it, it kind of sticks. You can't use it very well. And not only did I break my key, but I turned on the the keyboard, turned on the iPad, and by the time I went to get any work done, my iPad was drained, which was fine. I could I could recharge that, but my keyboard was also almost dead. So by the time I got back to my hotel and actually wanted to do stuff on my iPad with my keyboard, my keyboard batteries were dead, and I didn't have spare AA batteries with me. So I either had to go out and buy AA batteries because I wasn't going to travel with a big AA battery charger. I mean, so it was just like all of these issues with this keyboard, which granted could have been resolved by getting like an origami case or something like that. And I was just like, you know, this this just is not working for me. So I looked at a bunch of different keyboard cases. The Logitech was not out at the time that I bought my, my Zag Keys Flex, which is what I ultimately ended up with. Because I uh, looking at that Logitech, that looks like an interesting solution. But I went round and round and round and round in terms of what do I want? Because I, I know I'm going to be doing more long form writing on my iPad. And I decided that I did not want a case for my iPad that had a keyboard built into it because 90 plus percent of the time that I was going to use my iPad, I was not going to be using it with the keyboard. Yeah. So I wanted a separate piece. And Ed Dale actually um, recommended the Zag Keys Flex, which is a good bit smaller. It is a separate keyboard. It is a good bit smaller than the Apple Bluetooth keyboard. Well, maybe not a good bit, but it is a bit smaller than the Apple Bluetooth keyboard. Um, it has a little bit of a case with it that's that's very small and slim 
factor so that you're protecting the key somewhat. It's got a physical on-off switch. And to me, it just met the requirements. It was small. It was lightweight. It didn't add a lot of bulk. It was a separate case. It had, you know, it didn't, it had a rechargeable battery. Yeah. The battery was rechargeable by a standard. I don't remember if it's mini or micro USB keyboard or a cable, but it's a cable that I always had with me when I was traveling. So I could always, you know, do it on the go. And the couple times that I've taken it someplace, yes, it is a little bit smaller keyboard and my hands feel a little bit cramped, but it's never been a problem. Yeah, I mean, I, so, I'm really enjoying this Logitech Ultra Thin. I'm, I'm not sure how it fits. I have two keyboards, in essence, for this thing. But but I, I guess I'd say I'm in the exploratory stage of this keyboard. But I could see myself like hitting Macworld with just the iPad and the Ultra Thin keyboard. We're going on vacation for a week. And uh, I'm going to be on a boat. Just going to have pretty much the Ultra Thin and the iPad. Yeah. Nothing else, man. So how thin is the Ultra Thin, if you had to describe it? You know what? I, I don't, I'm not good at this stuff. I'm going to put the link in the show notes and it'll tell you exactly. But it, it's thinner, I believe, than the iPad. Like a couple of credit cards? Or, oh, oh, it's no. only eight mil- millimeters thin. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, it's definitely thicker than a credit card. It's got a physical keyboard in it. I mean, the keys right. press. Right. And you're not finding that this is leaving marks on your iPad screen or no, anything like that? No, I've never seen that. That used to be a problem on my MacBook. I used to get that. I know that was an issue for a while. They just didn't get the height just right. Mm-hmm. But I haven't had that problem for years either. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, either way. So we talked about keyboards. And we have a bunch of feedback. You know, We're going to do a show coming up on, um, I guess we're going to call it web automation. Because I've really been playing a lot with uh, If This Then That and Yahoo Pipes lately, and I'm starting to find tons of uses for it. I think it'd be fun to do a show on it. If you've got some favorite IFTTT or Yahoo Pipe recipes, please send them in. Okay. That's very cool. Um, what else did we hear about? Uh, we got a lot of feedback about our $5 or less show. Yeah. People really seem to like that show. So uh, let me tell you, there were a lot of comments on the blog with people giving other suggestions for apps that they liked. So rather than go through all of that, let me just say, go to MacPowerUsers.com, look up show 92, and then hit the comments for that. And lots of great recommendations for other apps for people to look at. Um, We did get a couple of corrections or additions to the show. Um, Lots of people wrote in to tell us two things. Number one, apparently Moom is now $2 your, no. or $10, $10, your yeah. window management app? Yeah, it was, I didn't realize that they had, they were on sale. I mean, the way I picked apps for that show is I looked at the ones that I use every day and I just looked at their, looked at them in the app store and that one was $5. <laughs> but right. what had happened was they were apparently doing a promotion and it was $5. It was 10 And between the time we recorded the show and the time the show got issued, it went up to $10. So the day the show went out, it was already $10. Whoops, sorry about that, folks. But still worth it at $10. Yeah. The other one we got a lot of feedback on was Dockless. I talked about Dockless for hiding items in my dock. And unfortunately, you know, the developer hasn't updated that in a while, so use it at your own risk. And then the developer was hosting it on his MobileMe homepage. So June 30th rolled around just a couple of days after the show posted. And guess what happens when you click on the link to download Docuses? Yeah, so I swear when I created that link that it existed. <laughs> and it didn't yeah. occur to me that, whoops, um, that would be gone. And it was. Yeah. I should have realized that. 
Whoops. Yeah. I think if you look in the comments, uh, Mac Power users listener might have a mirror to it, but I'm not sure how long or how public that is, so I'm not going to say anymore. Yeah. Um, and then Chris wrote in about your grocery list exclusion in OmniFocus. So I was curious to see if you did anything with that and how that experiment went. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm still working on it, and there's a new app coming out for the for the iPhone called Checkmark. Everybody's been writing about it, but it, it's not actually for sale yet. Um, you know, the, the issue here for me is I love the idea of the geofencing list, you know, grocery list where you right. go somewhere and it just pops up when you go to Home Depot, then a list of screws comes up, right? Uh, using the Reminders app, it's very easy to create them with Siri, you know, add screws to my Home Depot list and it's in, which is amazing to me. But to create that geofence, you have to go into the individual entry of screws and add the location of Home Depot. Now, I think we need to clarify this because this was unclear to me when you said it, and we've had a couple of people ask about it because I thought maybe this was an iPhone 4S feature because I didn't have it. I thought somehow you were trying to say that, for example, your Home Depot list, the entire list had a context of Home Depot. No, it's, it's, it's each, each item. but Each individual item, and, so uh, I, and, I, and I can do that on my 4. Well, I've created contacts for each place, like Home Depot is a contact in you know, Ralph's right. is a contact. So I would assign them that way. And that way I had this geofence thing. But you start thinking about it, that's a lot of time you're investing in this. What we really need is to put a geofence around the entire list, which is what I guess some people thought I was saying. And right. it doesn't do that. And, you know, iOS 6 announcement so far, it looks like that's not going to come with iOS 6. I don't know. Maybe they will add it. But uh, it just doesn't really exist there. So this checkmark app that's coming out is that it's a it's a list app with a geofence around the list as opposed to the item, which is a great idea. But then that doesn't have the Siri support, you know. And then you go back to OmniFocus, which has the Siri support, um, it, and it has a geofence. But you know, I use OmniFocus so much for so many other things. I'm not sure I want to keep my grocery list in there and. Mm-hmm. You know, the ability to look at the map and just see everything like Merlin does, is, I'm not sure that's as big of a deal to me. So uh, I'm still up in the air, but I'm playing with all these solutions. I'm waiting for Checkmark to come out and see how it works. Um, so I, I really don't have an answer yet. But I, th- I think it's interesting that so many people have written in about this. I think a lot of us are, are wondering about it. Because okay. there's a difference to me between a task list and a grocery list. You could put them all in one app. I mean, OmniFocus is certainly capable of doing it. I'm just not sure I want to do that yet. All right. And uh, the last bit, I just wanted to remind people that uh, we do have our haiku contest going on for a ScanSnap i1300. So listen to the details in show 93 if you want to find out how you can how you can pick up potentially a ScanSnap. You do have to be a little bit of a poet. And um, we've got some pretty cool entries so far. I don't know if you've taken a look at them. Yeah, so they're really I, good. Yeah. So still still some time. We've still got a couple of weeks left in that. Uh, send in your entries, and the details are in the, the uh, information for show 93. I'll just give them again. I can give them again. I will. I got to make sure they download our show, man. All right. So here's the deal. You can write a haiku to ScanSnap, to Paperless, something related to Paperless and ScanSnap. So we'll 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 give you a little bit of leeway there and email it to feedback at macpowerusers.com 
with the words, this is two words now, ScanSnap, one word, Haiku in the subject, and that way those are all get filtered into a fancy-dancy little folder on my Mac, and uh, we'll go through and we'll pick our favorites. The, uh, the, we'll read a couple on the show, and uh, the best one in our sole and exclusive judgment alone will get a ScanSnap 1300i, and as a uh, consolation prize, I guess is what we'll call it. We also have a one-year Evernote premium subscription to give away, all courtesy from the folks at ScanSnap. Okay, everybody. So that's it for our first attempt at iPad productivity. Maybe we'll go back and hit <laughs> this again at some point. We do have yeah. more material, but we are also running long. So it's it's all good. It's all good. Right. I got to exercise demons about word processing and keyboards. I needed to get through all that. I feel yeah, much better. We- we probably got through about 60% of our outline. Yeah, that's good. It's a good start. Yeah. All right. Well, you can find links to everything that we talked about, and it's a pretty extensive list, over on our website at macpowerusers.com or at 5x5.tv slash MPU. Send us feedback to feedback at macpowerusers.com. And don't forget those ScanSnap haikus and those workflow ideas for show 100 if you want to potentially be featured on show 100. And uh, you can contact us on Twitter. We are at Mac Power Users. Katie is at Katie Floyd, and I'm at Max Sparky. Yeah. And uh, thanks to our exclusive sponsor for this episode, Smile. And uh, David, what's next? Uh, we're going to do a show with the fabled Dr. Drang. Oh. Yeah. So uh, we'll put his, uh, his his blog in the show notes. Really smart guy. I mean, he did a whole post once on how a bolt failed on his lawnmower. <laughs> I saw that. You know what? That, that is why I love the internet. Cause I was, I was absolutely riveted with that science. This guy's really smart and talks a lot about Mac automation. He's a programmer, does a lot of interesting stuff and uh, we're thrilled that he's agreed to be on the show. So uh, it'll be our first anonymous guest. Check right. in next week for Dr. Drang. Maybe we can get the Macalope. Wouldn't that be fun? Maybe Dr. Drang is the Macalope. Oh, you just blew my mind. (laughs) We'll see you next week. All right. Take care.